0: Welcome to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Pioneer helps CHML's Christmas tree of hope. More Canadians are dying while waiting for medical procedures. A medicinal mushroom shop is opened in Hamilton. There's a couple of twists in the CFL schedule. Two local players have made Canada's world junior hockey team. And Santa and Mrs. Claus are raising money for charity. Learn more by listening to the GMH podcast starting now.
1: This is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast on 900 CH.
0: It's a big day today for the Christmas Tree of Hope campaign.
1: Helping families
2: and wonderful children that are just in a little bit of a tough spot right now, I guess. Isn't it wonderful to have that chance to help? So I, I think people gain a lot of pride in coming coming in that
3: particular day and filling up.
0: That is Michael Stevens from Pioneer Energy. It is Pioneer Energy, three cent a liter day today, all in support of the 900 CHML Christmas Tree of Hope. And here to talk about it is the president of the Children's Fund, Olivia McKay. Olivia, good morning. How are you?
3: Good, how are you?
0: I'm good. This is an exciting day. It
3: is. It is so exciting. I've got all the station vehicles lined up to go get filled up. I had to put just a little bit of gas in my car yesterday just to get me from point A to B and going to go fill up my car today and, you know, three cents a liter for From all the Pioneers participating locations, you can check out on our website where they are. We'll go to the uh, Children's Fund.
0: Sounds like your kids are pushing you out the door to get going here.
3: Oh, she's just (laughs) that time of morning with an almost 3-year-old.
0: This has been a wonderful initiative that Pioneer has partnered with us for years now and has has generated a lot of money for the Tree of Hope.
3: It has. Last year they were able to donate over $20,000, you know, I believe the past 38 years, they've donated over half a million dollars, which is a great help to the Children's Fund. You know, through the pandemic, it's been a struggle, but we've been going and we've been able to still donate to many, many charities.
0: And that's the thing, you know, I get I get questioned now and again, where does all the money go?
3: Uh, the money goes to, like, it, it can vary year to year with the charities. So we used to be over 45, we just hit over that 35 mark because that those charities in the past years haven't been um, asking for money just due to uh, Christmas parties not happening. And oh, sorry, my daughter. <laughs> and so the money goes to, you know, programs just for kids to be a kid. So food programs, stuff for school, clothing, um, Christmas parties, music lessons, anything for them to participate, necessities of life um you know the arts uh uniforms uh sports we you know we do the fat 5k and that helps purchase running shoes for the girls to participate in their first um 5k run so you know, the money is always going to kids' charities in Hamilton and Burlington.
0: It is Pioneer Energy 3 Cent a Liter Day, all in support of the 900 CHML Christmas Tree of Hope. Fill up at a participating Pioneer location, and there are dozens who are participating, and 3 cents from every liter of fuel that you purchase goes to the Children's Fund and ultimately goes to amazing organizations in this community that help underprivileged kids in Hamilton and Burlington. There's still time also to donate to Operation. Santa Claus toy truck. Tell us about how that's going.
3: So that it's going really, really well. We had a big uh, pickup from the fire halls on Monday, and I'm going to go do two pickups today. And uh, we have about five pickups on Friday, so they are coming. Still pickups next week, and you know I've had a ton of charities come in. We've had uh, most of them come in for their first rounds, and I started to email saying, "Hey, do you need more?" And of course, you know the needs there. I had one charity tell me that. They're down twenty percent, and that's a big that's a big percentage to be down. So we're trying to get these charities in, trying to help as much as we can to get the you know as fast as the toys come in. I want them to go out as fast. So uh, Kelly's been great at reception; she's been re- uh, replenishing the tree every time it goes empty. And you know, I'm just excited to go get the toys today, uh, get them in the get them in the door, get them out the door. I, I believe we have like three charities today, three charities tomorrow. So it's nice to see that that the help the help is there from the community and that people are calling saying you know I have toys I have donations. Can you come pick it up?
0: You can donate uh, new unwrapped toys at Operation Santa Claus Toy Truck at the radio station. We are on the corner of Main and Longwood, 875 Main Street West. You can also drop them off at any participating Hamilton Fire Department stations, all the locations online at 900CHML.com. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900CHML is Olivia McKay, the president of the Children's Fund. As today is three cents a liter day for Pioneer Energy. Three cents from every liter of fuel you purchase goes to the Children's Fund. Fund and to those organizations. What are, as part of Operation Santa Claus Toy Truck, what are those most needed uh, items?
3: So the most needed items would be your preteens and your teens. So A lot of people forget to, you know, get those. So we're looking for board games, uh, makeup kits, nail polish kits, hair dryers, straighteners, axe body kits, you know, shampoo, anything that you would think an older teen would like, plus, you know, board games, books, um, anything, like, you know some uh, like the adult coloring books, stuff like that. And then, you know, babies, so it's not the toys necessarily, but your diapers, your formula, any food. And you know it was great yesterday, we had essential aid come in, and I had all the diapers and everything put aside for them, and you know, they tweeted a picture of saying thank you, like they're able to fill their crib of hope. That's what they're doing uh, to, you know, to help those families in need this crisis that uh, that struggle. Cheeto just supply those diapers and the formula for their babies.
0: We'd also like to thank our uh, major partners and sponsors, Pioneer Energy, of course, Leggett Auto Group being another big one.
3: Yeah. And, you know, a big thank you. I'm going to see Leggett today, going to go pick up the check. And that's a big uh, contribution from them. And it helps us greatly because the charities uh, are requesting uh, money for 2023. I believe we already have three allocations lined up to get out the door uh, in January.
0: Well, the weather is going to participate today for everyone to go out to a Pioneer Energy near them. Fill up and three cents from every liter of fuel that they purchase will go to the 900 CHML Christmas Tree of Hope. Olivia, have fun today. Fill her up and uh, we'll talk to you sometime down the road. Thank you, Rick. That's Olivia Mackay, president of the Children's Fund, and uh, yeah, it is another, you know, milestone day for the Christmas Tree of Hope campaign. We had the tree lighting ceremony at Gore Park a couple of weeks ago. Today's a big event. Operation Santa Claus Toy Truck running all week long as well and to arrange delivery or coordinate a pickup, you can call Olivia at 905-521-2310. That's 905-521-2310 and say, hey, we we got some toys, come pick it up, or can we deliver them? You can also, again, drop them off at any participating Hamilton Fire Department station, all the locations online at 900CHML.com. If you just want to donate cash, we're not going to say no, of course. Every dollar goes to these local agencies who help less fortunate kids. Text the word DONATE to 30333. You can donate $10 or $20, or go to our website, 900CHML.com, and you can give via PayPal and CanadaHelps.org.
1: You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML.
0: New report is out and it has gathered and analyzed some government data that shows a growing and disturbing trend when it comes to health care wait times. The fourth died on a waiting list report from SecondStreet.org shows waiting lists have hit a four year high since their tracking began back in 2018 19 here to talk about it is colin craig the president of secondstreet.org
4: colin good morning how are you well thanks for having me rick uh, let's dive into this report. what this report what did you find well you know let me just explain we started doing this research because of stories like uh, laura hillier several years ago in ontario this was an 18 year old girl who was on a waiting list Uh, for cancer treatment and she had a a donor lined up she was ready to go the problem was the government wasn't ready to actually give her the care that she needed and sadly she passed away so stories like that got us thinking well how often does this happen and so we filed freedom of information requests with governments nationwide health bodies to ask them how many uh, cancellations have they had for surgery because the patient has passed away and so we've done that for a number of years and what we calculated this year based on incomplete data, not every health body tracks this information, but we found about 13,581 patients had uh, passed away while waiting for surgery, uh, uh, diagnostic scans, and we even got some data on patients waiting to meet with a specialist. So it's uh, it's troubling data for sure because we've seen an increase, but, uh, you know, really we have to remember that there's a lot of uh, You know, sad stories behind these numbers when you see that a patient had waited a year for surgery. Uh, You know, sometimes they're dying, I suspect, because they had to wait too long. So patients waiting for heart procedures, cancer treatment, and so forth. And there's a lot of patients that are dying while their quality of life has been impacted. They're spending maybe the last year or two of their life with uh, chronic pain waiting to get hip surgery. So that's a big picture. That's what we've uh, been looking at.
0: This is a four-year high since second straight started diving into these numbers. The the question that you know comes to mind is why why is this happening? What is the holdup? What is the wait to get these surgeries and these procedures
4: done? I think people need to really look at the big picture, and the big picture tells us that our, we had a system in crisis before COVID. A lot of people are going to say, "Well, this is because of COVID." no we had a system in crisis before covid what covid did was make a bad situation worse and really we've seen over the past 30 years governments of all political stripe it doesn't matter if you're conservative ndp liberal across the country they've been spending money hand over fist in the healthcare system hoping that things would get better and uh you know really we've seen it over the same period waiting lists have gotten worse and worse and worse so That tells us that we can't spend our way out of this problem. We need to be looking at systemic reform, uh, good ideas that other countries have done, things that we can do while we keep the public universal healthcare system that Canadians love and appreciate, I think most people do, uh, but ways that we can change it so that we can actually improve results. And that's, I think, really what we need to be looking at. First though, we need governments to do a better job tracking this data. Like I said, a lot of health bodies in the country they don't even track this. And we think that's a serious problem because if a patient dies in the healthcare system because they had to wait too long, that's the worst possible outcome. We know what happens. We think that uh, elected officials, health ministers across Canada should be uh, asking this question and making sure that they have that data available.
0: Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML is Colin Craig, president of SecondStreet.org, and we are looking at the fourth died-on-a-waiting-list report from Second Street that shows uh, uh, numbers that are higher than ever before. Uh, I know you don't have all the data, but where does Ontario rank in the grand scheme of things?
4: Uh, You know, it's hard to do the comparisons because when you compare Ontario with province- uh, like British Columbia, where we only got a couple of health regions, it, it, you're kind of comparing apples and oranges. So that's the that's probably the, the biggest one of the biggest problems is that the, the data is actually pretty bad across Canada. Governments just they don't really think about suffering that patients endure while they, they're on these long waiting lists. If they did, they would be able to answer how many patients are dying because of long waiting lists. And I don't think there's a health minister in Canada that can tell you that answer. And, and that's very troubling, like I said, because governments essentially have a monopoly on healthcare in this country, so they force patients to rely on the government, and uh, yet governments just they don't really seem to be looking into this problem. So it's, it's hard to do those comparisons. I will say for Hamilton uh, listeners that Hamilton Health Sciences Centre, actually, they do a decent job when it comes to tracking this data uh, compared to a lot of other health bodies across Canada. The the problem is that you still see, even in Hamilton, uh, what looks to be cases of patients suffering. A lot of patients waiting about a year before they've passed away while waiting for surgery. Lots of patients passing away while waiting for diagnostic scans, so they're not even getting to that stage where, uh, you know, maybe they're at the stage where they're they're uh, receiving surgery. So. Troubling numbers across the country, for sure.
0: We only got about 90 seconds. Is one, and I don't want to alarm anybody who's on a wait list, but is there one wait list for a specific procedure that's worse
4: than all the others? It's hard to say, uh, because it does depend on the the part of Canada that you're in. Uh, Cataracts are a, a common procedure. Uh, and people might say, well, you're not going to die because you don't get your cataract surgery in time. But, you know, again, there's real people behind those stats. And who wants to spend the final year of their life with cloudy vision? Um, you know, that that's not a good way to live. So... You know, Ultimately, we need health reform. I think the first step is for governments to track this data better. The second is to be looking at some of the health reform options, I think, that we've identified in our policy brief.
0: Absolutely. Colin Craig, thank you for the time today and uh, giving us some uh, insight into the analysis that SecondStreet.org has compiled.
4: Thanks a lot, Rick. Appreciate uh, the chance to chat. Really
0: sobering numbers. Colin Craig is the president of SecondStreet.org. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton
1: podcast from 900 CHML.
0: There's a new medicinal mushroom shop that is opened in Hamilton. And I was doing a little bit of research and I thought, well, wait a minute. Isn't psilocybin illegal in Canada? And, And because of that, how can a shop like this be open? in a place like Hamilton. Paul Lewin is a cannabis lawyer with Lewin and Segarra LLP and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Paul, good morning, how are you? Good morning, Rick. Very good. How does a shop like this uh, be allowed to open?
5: Well, uh, I mean, they're not, uh, you know what, I think they're opening because of the problems with the access to medical psilocybin, the legal uh, roads to access.
0: Okay, so the the business license part is okay. they have They have an in that way, I guess. Well, no, I
5: mean, it's not legal. okay. So, uh, I won't um, pretend it is legal. but um, but i I would call it gray market because there really are deep, uh, profound problems with access to psilocybin, which can just do a ton of good for people.
0: So because it's not legal, is, is the expectation that if, uh, a store like this, and I know it's not just in Hamilton, there's others uh, you know, across the country, that the expectation is it's going to be shut down at some point?
5: You know, uh, Your guess is as good as mine. Um, how the city and the police respond to it, um, I would hope that they understand the big picture and it's probably doing more good than harm, but I, I, I mean, I'd be just guessing as to how they whether they do try and shut it down or not.
0: Mm-hmm. Being a cannabis lawyer, what's your part in this?
5: Well, I, I, my part in it, I, I act for companies, some companies uh, that could be charged, so uh, if somebody's charged, they probably call me up and uh, I defend it. One way I could defend it is with a constitutional challenge in which we show that access to medical psilocybin is broken and it's not working. And when the medical access is broken, they can't prohibit it.
0: So what are some of the charges that these store owners are facing?
5: Uh, Well, they will be selling psilocybin, which is uh, uh, trafficking under the CDSA, the Controlled Drugs and Substances Act, so that would be the most likely charge.
0: Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML, Paul Lewin, cannabis lawyer with Lewin and Cigara LLP. We're talking about a new medicinal mushroom shop that has opened in Hamilton. There's others across the country. Um, the, the sale of psilocybin, however, is illegal in this country. Can we see one day this being legalized, just like marijuana was?
5: Oh, absolutely. It's really it's a, a, an amazing safety profile. It's very safe um, and it does a lot of good for sick people, but it does a lot of good for healthy people as well. So um, I think absolutely uh, full legalization is coming. It's just
0: a matter of time. Is there any other country that has legalized it? Um,
5: there's there's places that tolerate it. Um, I, but you know what? I be I, I don't want to—I'm uh, not 100% certain— uh, So I'm not sure about that, but I believe there are places that tolerate it.
0: Okay. Paul, really appreciate the time. Thanks for some uh, insight into this topic. My pleasure. That's Paul Lewin. He is a cannabis lawyer with Lewin & Cigara LLP. My, My guess is this mushroom shop in Hamilton, like we've seen in places like Toronto and in Vancouver, will be shut down, collapsed, whatever the case is, locked up. The owner will be charged, and away they go. It's really no different than before the legalization of recreational marijuana was brought in, we saw some of those pot shots pop up and you probably saw them in your neighborhood and, you know, they'd, they'd open up, and a week or so after that, you'd see the lock on the door and, you know, closed or, you know, building for sale or whatever the case is. I'm not sure how close we are. We, we've talked about psilocybin on this program uh, before, not recently. And, you know, the fact of the matter is that I, I think we're, we might be light years away from that being legalized. Uh, we'll keep tabs on it. It's, it's an interesting story. and We'll see how long this store opens in town.
1: You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. From 900-CHML.
0: Dave Evans looking deep. He's got a receiver open. It's caught. It's Keandre Smith. It's his first CFL (laughs) touchdown. Is it June yet? RJ Broadhead the call on the Ticats Audio Network and 900-CHML. Canadian Football League releasing its 2023 schedule. And it includes a couple of new twists. Labor Day Classic between Hamilton and Toronto will start at 3.30 p.m., not 1 p.m., and the East Division playoffs, both the semifinal and the final, are going to be played on a Saturday instead of a Sunday. That'll be the case in the West Division as well. So a couple of, well, unique twists to the schedule. Do we like it? Do we not? Well, let's ask one of the people involved in it. Matt Afanek is the president and chief operating officer with the Hamilton Sports Group and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Matt, good morning. How are you?
2: Good morning, Rick. Thanks for having me.
0: Hey, let's start with Labor Day. That's probably the one game that most fans are saying 3:30. How did that come about? Well, like any
2: decisions in the schedule, Rick, it's uh, you know it's a collaborative process between ourselves, the league office, our, our partners at TSN, and you know weigh all considerations, including competitive. But the other consideration around kickoff times, especially, is, is frankly just the feedback we get from our fans, and, and we find. Uh, and have many ways from, from surveying to our, our reps speaking with season seed owners every single day to stuff we see on social media. And we ca- kept seeing this theme of perhaps considering a later afternoon Labor Day kickoff. And, you know, again, I think everybody uh, appreciates doing Labor Day on, on in the afternoon, but it came, became pretty clear that, you know, maybe kicking off a little bit later, more time to do social things in advance of kickoff, more time to meet up with friends and tailgate. And then also people that go away for Labor Day weekend gives them a little bit more time uh, to get back into the city and get back, to, uh, get back for the game uh, if they've been away. So those two things weighing in, we were uh, very comfortable, and the feedback we've gotten the, you know, almost 24 hours since the schedule's released has been very positive about moving Labor Day to 3.30, keeping it in the afternoon, but just pushing it a little
0: later. The other big change, and this will be felt league-wide, is playoffs on Saturday instead of Sunday. Do, do you like this? Yeah, we
2: love it. We're we're big proponents of this, and, and and while you'll see we've added Sunday CFL games in the summer um, to uh, the schedule for 2023, we don't actually have one uh, in terms of the Tiger Cat home slate. But for the most part, Rick, our games are obviously played uh, on on Fridays and Saturdays, and it became clear to us that as we spoke with fans um, on Sundays, that just you know they wanted us to remain and have some consistency with the balance of the schedule. Uh, obviously, uh, coming to an event and, and being social and And having some free time, Uh, people seem to have more and more liberty with that on a Saturday. So uh, I think it was pretty unanimous league-wide that we wanted to to move to uh, to the Saturday to Saturday playoff games, and uh, obviously our partners at TSN were supportive of that as well.
0: Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML is Matt Afanek, President and COO of the Hamilton Sports Group. We're talking about the Ticats 2023 schedule, which was released yesterday, along with the complete CFL schedule. The Ticats will open on the road June 9th in Winnipeg. You're in Toronto the following week, where the Argos will raise their Grey Cup banner, and I'm sure the thousands of Ticats fans will be at BMO Field that day will be booing lustily, and uh, and rightfully so. Uh, the home opener is Friday, June the 23rd against Montreal, and one of the things that fans will not see this year that they did last year was that that clump of four games in five or six weeks, I think it was, against the Argos. It's nice to have that rivalry stretched out in 2023.
2: Yeah, uh, it certainly is, Rick, in, in, in both ways, right? Competitively, I think, you know, when you always want to play teams in your division as you come down the stretch is you know in a nine-team league often the standings and the schedule are close so competitively it works better uh but also in terms of just the engagement with the fans and the atmosphere as you know the home environment at Tim Hortons Field we think is the best in the league our fans deliver that they provide it every week but it just gets to another level uh when we're playing Toronto so to have a game later in the season uh at home in addition to Labor Day obviously to to kind of fuel that atmosphere and give our players and coaches that energy it's uh it's hugely important, and the fans deliver that in space.
0: Ticats will host Calgary on September the 30th. What are the odds that Bo Levi-Mitchell will be in a Ticats uniform that game?
2: Well, you know, we're uh, obviously traded for Bo's rights, and uh, or what Coach, uh, Coach O is uh, working through those details as we speak. But, yes, we certainly host the St. Peter's on the 30th. Uh,
0: I'm sure you're still working on details for the 110th Grey Cup. That's in Hamilton this November. Tell us about the latest greatest. Yeah,
2: we're very excited to have the Grey Cup back, Rick. Obviously, uh, 2021 was uh, a remarkable event and a remarkable experience, and a remarkable game, uh, frankly, in terms of the energy, the entertainment, obviously everything except the final score. But when the Grey Cup returns in 2023, it'll be more in line with the vision of what we bid. It's remarkable to say this, but we actually submitted our initial bid to host the 2020 Grey Cup, believe it or not, uh, in, in 2018. And obviously our bid successfully got us the 2021 gray cup we were unable to deliver that because of covid so we will finally deliver um what we anticipated and and, and proposed the league in our bid to deliver here in 23 and fans can expect a more robust festival one that will start on wednesday obviously lead through the game on sunday uh and be filled with events and, and different types of programming both free and ticketed that they can expect in the downtown core so we're gonna have a pretty robust festival plan announced early in the spring and ahead of the season but uh fans can certainly look forward to this great Canadian event, the biggest sporting event annually in Canada, returning to Hamilton in 2023, and being bigger and better than it was in 2021. And
0: that Great Cup game will be played November 19th at Tim Hortons Field. You can also get your season seats to Ticats games next year, Ticats.ca. Matt, appreciate the time. Enjoy the day.
2: Yeah, I appreciate it, Rick. Have a great holiday season. eh? You
0: too. Matt Afanek, President and Chief Operating Officer of the Hamilton Sports Group, which includes the Ticats, Forge FC. I think there's like 17 other teams in that. No, I'm just kidding.
1: You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML.
6: Kovačević will send it back for Matheson. Gord, Yorkstrand, right scores! Shane Wright, his first goal in the National Hockey League.
0: Burlington's Shane Wright, along with Freelton's Ethan Del Mastro, are going to the World Junior Hockey Championship. They have been named to Canada's World Junior Team. Uh, What does this team look like? How good do we think they're going to do? Stephen Ellis is an associate editor and prospect analyst with Daily Faceoff, and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Stephen, how are you? I'm doing excellent. How are you doing? I'm good. Uh, Thoughts on this team that uh, Team Canada's put together? It's
7: always easy to pick this team as a as a gold medal favorite. And this year, honestly, with the, the just the NHL talent alone, with Shane Wright, Dylan Gunther, and Brand Clark, that's a huge step. But then you go out there and you've got uh, Brendan Ottman, who was really good. you got Logan Stankoven, who was one of the best forwards of the last tournament. Uh, Owen Zellweger, who was one of the best players, period, in the summer. And then you throw in uh, uh, Connor Bedard and Adam Fantilli. This, to me, is one of the deepest Canadian teams I remember seeing.
0: Are there any snubs?
7: Ah, there's a few. Uh, I, I'd say, uh, I know a lot of people uh, were a little surprised that Jordan Dumas of uh, the QMJHL didn't make the team. Uh, he was He's the top scorer in the CHL, but you know, smaller guy, there's a lot of goal scorers, a little older guys that they decide to go with. Uh I was a little surprised Carson Lambos, who was on the team last year, uh, didn't make it either. But uh I'd say like this team is is just there's there was so much depth where you know, you leave one pretty solid guy off and you're you're gonna find three or four guys who could fill that same role.
0: Shane Wright uh, of Burlington. He uh, fell to number four in the NHL draft over the summer. He has uh, spent some time in the NHL as well as the AHL with the Coachella Valley Firebirds. It hasn't been, I guess, the most electric start to his pro career. And now he's on the world junior team. Where's his mind space at?
7: Well, this is an opportunity to get his season back on track. And, you know, that to me, I still think he was the best prospect in that draft. And he probably spent that whole season expecting that to happen, that he did, he was the number one projected guy for a few years. And I, I think this would be a perfect opportunity where, yeah, it is a step down, but he can seize this opportunity. He's the one who can make the, the most of this. And I think when you look at it that way, uh, I think this is an event where he's a smart player, and I think he'll, he'll, he'll use it to his advantage.
0: Stephen Ellis is our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900CH. Stephen is an associate editor and prospect analyst with Daily Faceoff. The other local guy, Ethan Del Mastro from Freelton, he uh, plays with the Mississauga Steelheads, a Blackhawks draft pick. For those not familiar with Del Mastro, uh, what do you like about his game?
7: Well, he's got the size that you're looking for six 6'4". He plays a strong offensive game. Um, he he could be a shutdown guy, and I think that he'll actually probably slot out in there maybe on the top pairing with uh, Owen Zellweger, where he's more the 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 freeloading, like, let's bring all the offense, well, Del Domastro could be more of the defensive side to make that nice one-two punch. So, uh,
0: to me, he's going to be one of the defensemen to watch 100%. Uh, the one guy that everyone will be watching is Connor Bedard. He's had a couple of amazing tournaments at the World Juniors, which have been disrupted by the pandemic. This could be a, an even greater explosion than we've ever seen.
7: Yeah, the way he's playing right now, like it is kind of strange because unlike the usual World Juniors, we get a whole year in between. This was a few months um, since the August tournament, but I think that just watching the way he's playing, he's just so confident right now, and and given how good he was at that summer tournament, you give him a few more extra months of development, whole uh, oh, oh boy.
0: Yeah, a lot of people will be saying that for sure. Stephen, appreciate the time, and uh, we will chat with you a little closer to the tournament. Absolutely. Thanks so much. Stephen Ellis, Associate Editor and Prospect Analyst at Daily Face-Off. The World Juniors, as always, beginning on Boxing Day, Canada will open the tournament against Czechia.
1: You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML.
0: Oh, yeah, he's making that list. you got to check it twice. You don't want to make any mistakes. You don't want to put someone who's on the nice list inadvertently on the naughty list. I mean, that would be that would be would be horrible. I mean, horrible for the child and vice versa. Imagine being on the naughty list and somehow, some way, you get slipped onto the nice list. I mean, I, I don't know. That would be a travesty, would it not? Uh, yeah, Christmas is coming. It's almost here. And there is, well, a lot of excited children out there just waiting for the jolly old elf to come down the chimney, uh, spread all those presents under the tree, and um, make for a wonderful Christmas morning. And wouldn't you know, wouldn't you know, boys and girls, that Santa and Mrs. Claus are with us here on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Santa Claus, Mrs. Claus, good morning. How are you? Good morning. <laughs>
8: good morning, Rick. How are you? I am
0: fantastic. How are you two doing? We're doing wonderful.
6: Yeah, we're doing just great. We're so busy and we're so excited. There's so many happy children out there.
0: I would imagine that this is a crazy time for you guys.
6: Crazy. All day long. It's almost a 24-7 operation, and I get some sleep, and I get right back into <laughs> Santa. Uh,
0: i got to ask, how is Santa's workshop flowing right now? Is, is inflation impacting things? What's going on in the workshop?
6: Oh, it's so magical. We do not stop for anything. We're just as busy This year and last year, and COVID started everything.
8: And the elves, they're so creative. Even though it is, you know, a hard time for some people, the elves are trying their best to make all the toys as best as they can, and they do just a wonderful job.
0: Santa and Mrs. Claus joining us here on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. And there's a special reason why they're joining us here today. That's because they're also part of a thing called Santa for Charity and the website Santa, the number four, charity.com. Tell us about this initiative.
6: Well, this all started back in um, the pandemic and we have been doing uh, virtual Santa and Mrs. Claus for our grandkids and for our friends and relatives. And when the pandemic hit, we thought maybe we'll dip our toe into the money-making business and make some money for charity. And lo and behold, it went viral and we are so busy. (laughs) And what, what happens is virtual Santa will make a visit and households will pay to have Santa show up. And then that money gets donated to our charity
0: and what charity does the
6: money go to it goes to Good Shepherd Hamilton so it's so great that we're here in Hamilton and we're able to support a Hamilton charity so Good Shepherd Hamilton and,
8: and but why- even though we're, even though we're in Hamilton there's people worldwide supporting our cause even through Australia we have calls
0: wow that is amazing and so why Good Shepherd Hamilton why did you select that charity in in particular?
8: Well, in 2020, uh, we decided to downsize our home, and uh, we had a lot of things to give away. But when the pandemic hit, all the charities were closed for donations. So we were driving literally around Hamilton, looking for places to uh, to donate things. And Good Shepherd was one of the only things open. And we were there almost daily with with you know, food and parcels and that. And the lineup of people who were in need really touched our hearts. And we thought, you know, this is something that we could really support. And so when we, Christmas time came around, we thought, okay, everything's going to go to Good Shepherd. Since then, we've met a lot of people from Good Shepherd who are uh, helping us get the word out. And it's just been a wonderful partnership.
0: Do you have a current tabulation on how much money has been raised up until this point? Uh,
6: I don't, but I have um, the number of donations versus last year is much higher because we've had support through uh, media. And uh, our goal was to double last year. And a lot of that was going to come from the schools because uh, we did have energy through the schools last year. But with the QP situation, the, it was almost like a work the rule. So we didn't get going into the schools, but media has helped us through our uh, evening operations. So we're just as busy that way. I, I think we'll hit ballpark. About $3,000.
0: Wow, that is great. And I know Good Shepherd will put that to good use. Our guests on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Santa Claus and Mrs. Claus, and they're all part of a charity called Santa for Charity. The website is Santa, the number four, charity.com. What's the reaction from kids when they're seeing you <laughs> on the screen?
6: This is
0: the treat
6: of the whole procedure for us. Our goal is to make the children the stars. So the surprise, the squeals, the open eyes. Hmm. And when I'm looking right into the screen, I get the best view. And it's a real picture-taking moment for the parents. So they, they get the videos out. But what we see is the magic that you want to see. The excitement, the open mouths, the hands over the faces because is there. And Santa knows everything about the children because I've been watching through my crystal ball. But the parents, they are wonderful in this operation because we are a a partnership. And the partnership of whatever the parents is able to give Santa info, the child gets it and is
0: amazed that
6: Santa knows all these things about them.
0: (laughs) That is wonderful. Santa and Mrs. Claus, thank you for joining us. And thanks for raising money for an amazing charity in Hamilton.
6: Thank you, Rick. (laughs) Merry Christmas. Good boy, Rick.
0: I'll be a good boy. Have a great day. You too. That is Santa and Mrs. Claus. You can find out more information... and review.